It's New Hampshire Headlines in WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to get all these episodes on demand, as well as checking out WKXL's YouTube channel, where you can get all the video versions of these episodes. Be sure to like and subscribe if you're checking them out there. Excited to be joined this week by senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons of the New Hampshire Bulletin. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get more from them, NH Bulletin News over on Twitter. Be sure to follow them as well as all the great reporters over at that outlet. So, Anne-Marie, tomorrow you, or today actually, where this is releasing on Friday, there is a new article you're going to be releasing on uh, TANF, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, and the state's looking to make some changes to that, which uh, could help families that are maybe a little untraditional in the scope of uh, how the law currently stands. That's right. Um, The story focuses on a couple from Littleton. He's 61, she's 55. They became aware that their sons, girlfriends, nieces and nephews were all under 13, were just living in a house with no water, no food, lots of drugs, needles. And their first step was say, you need to call DCYF, you know, over in Vermont. They did That ended up five years later with them taking these kids in. Um, And by all accounts, they're thriving now. They're doing really well. They're 17, 13, and 9. But they don't get any assistance with that. They get Medicaid, but they're not eligible for TANF, this temporary assistance to needy families that they would get if they were related. But, of course, they have all the same expenses, you know, food, heating, gas. These kids are very active in all kinds of sports. So there's a bill that seems to be really sailing through legislature that would make those families eligible if they're court-appointed guardians, which they are in this case. So the average grant is usually about $7,000 a year. So you can, you know, think about how far that would go. You know, this couple, they said they were nearing retirement. They've each, they've spent their savings. Now they've each got two jobs. He's a dispatcher at night, a substitute teacher during the day. She's working in the school cafeteria, then on summers at Santa's Village. So, you know, and there's no complaint. You know, they say they've enriched our lives as much as we have theirs. But for them and the other kids in this situation, they're trying to get some assistance. And I think there's about 300 kids Um, that would be eligible for this, and it's all federally funded. So it looks like it'll go through. If it does, New Hampshire would be about one of a dozen states that does make this funding available. Um, It does kind of feel like it's catching up with what a family can look like now. Um, We know the drug situation, there's more and more sort of families that are being created in new ways, and not because they're related, but because someone is able and willing to take a child in. So I think it'll be a big step. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, legal legalese is super important and very specific when it comes to certain things. I mean, and there's reasons for it to a certain, to a certain extent, for sure, because you want to make sure people aren't just um, taking money from the system when they don't necessarily do it. Or there's many situations where um, the kids are being taken care of by another family member, but the biological parents are taking the money and not using it in very ethical ways. So, so there, there's many ways that the system could be corrupted and used in, um, in very bad ways. But the, the, that couple are absolute saints for doing something like that. That's absolutely amazing. And yeah, it, it makes total sense. I mean, this is something that should have been done a long, long time ago, but 
I mean, right now, with the, the pop, what kind of, if I had to guess, part of it is because the population of this country has just exploded over the, the, the last 50 years. It takes a while for certain smaller programs like this to really catch up to the vast amount of people that may now be uh, eligible for, for certain situations like this. Especially during COVID, you know, everything slowed down. They and the department and New Hampshire's Children's Trust have been working on this for a few years. And it's really a tiny change. It just adds court-appointed guardian for sort of the legal process of getting that done and making sure that the change was the right way to, to make this happen. It just took a long time. It's going to be about $2 million a year. Um, and again, all federally funded. So given that, I can't see it hitting a uh, a brick wall at the at the House. It passed through the Senate. It cleared the House today on Thursday. It goes now through a second committee just because it involves money. Again, I, I don't think we'll see a problem there. So stay tuned for the governor signing that is what I think. That's great. Yeah, definitely we'll be following that. And so when this article comes out, be sure to check that out at NewHampshireBulletin.com. All right, let's move over to an article you got to write with your new intern. Who's your intern? Oh, she's so delightful. Her name is B. Burak. Um, she's a sophomore at Dartmouth. I'll just say she came to us. I want to intern with you. I've never taken a journalism class. I don't know if I want to do journalism, but I want to try. What a, a great experience it's been for us. So yes, she leaves us next week. We're very sad about it. She's just a natural. We're trying to convince her to come into the field because she should. Um, so yes, we worked on a story, you know, attendance matters so much this year. You know, big bills are dying in a tie or passing by one vote. Um, so with 400 people, there's always going to be reps out, and especially this is a volunteer job. Many of them are still working. You have people getting sick, but because so much rides on every single rep being there, we wanted to look at attendance um, so maybe I should start with the good news. Many, many of them have 100% attendance or over 90, like more than half of the 400, well, well over half. Um, but there are some folks who don't have that attendance. You know, we have Representative David Cody from Nashua. He has not attended a session um, in, in a few years now. He was reelected. Um, he is quiet. He has brought and is continuing to um have, have a lawsuit against the state over seeking remote test, like the ability to participate remotely because he um, is health compromised and cannot be out be because of COVID. It's just too risky for him. And so he stayed on because he said he thought this lawsuit were resolved and that he would be able to participate remotely. I think people on the other side would say it's pretty clear that lawsuit has no chance. It's hit a lot of problems. Um, so why did you run again? So that's been, uh, he's been, he's increasingly being challenged on that, I think. Um, we have a second representative from Nashua who has missed, you know, many, many votes. And he's a lawyer. And he said, because he has too many um, cases where he needs to represent people that that he's representing his constituents, but he also needs to represent his clients. So he's missing a lot of votes. Um, he is not calling in and registering his absences, I will say. Um, then we had someone who had voted one time this session, a representative from Nottingham. He um, resigned last week, so that seat is now open. So we just wanted to look at, you know, who's showing up, who isn't, does this matter? You know, the representative Dolan from Nashua ran on a, you know, women's rights issues. 
he wasn't there the day that the one important abortion bill for um, abortion rights community died in a tie. What if he had been there? So I think these are fair questions. Um, and so we took a look at that. It was a lot of math. So um, I'm not going to go through it all for you, but I would encourage you to read it. I, I think it, it was an interesting story and we were able to cover a lot of ground because I had someone else working with me who was tremendous. Yeah, that, that's amazing. It, it's, uh, yeah, please enter the journalism field if you're vaguely at all interested in it. We definitely need more journalists in the state. And if you're, especially the, the numbers people it, is so important. She's one of the Grand State News Collaborative, what they're doing over there is so important. And mm -hmm. uh, the Hampshire Fiscal Policy Institute, what they're doing over there with pulling up the numbers and harassing us when we get things wrong. <laughs> oh, Phil. Um, but it, it's, um, but it's great. And, and I mean, this is, I, I feel like just this one chart is, is very important to just list us some of the, the stats on. I mean, 100% participation is at 43%, 90 to 99% participation is at 30 point, 34.5%, 51 to 89% participation, which is, you're likely missing a fair bit of sessions, is 20%, but 2.25% is 0 to 50% showing. I mean, you're not serving your your constituents at that point at all, and it's like a, that in that attorney you're you're talking about. I mean, th that hurts. Like you can't you can't just decide you're going to change your workload apparently voluntarily and ex and accept that to be reasonable. It's like I I understand. Like personally for me, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't be be a rep because I, I can't take take that time at a job. I got a young family. I got a job that I need to work during certain business hours, like those, those sorts of individuals can't do it. It's a half business, half uh, volunteer because you get paid $100 a year or whatever it is, plus mileage. It's very particular, plus mileage whenever anyone says that, uh, especially the libertarian crew. Um, it, it's, you got to make a decision, like either don't go for it or honestly try your best to be there, especially with it being so close. And, it feels like especially when it comes to with the, with um, the education votes that have been up this year, with the education freedom accounts, um, the uh, Democrats are desperately, desperately holding on to the fact that they think they can get rid of that and that they can change our abortion laws in the state. Good luck. <laughs> uh, but it's but because it's so close, I mean, there's a chance they can get pretty darn far in some of these votes. And, you know, It'll all come down to what's in the budget and, and what isn't. As we've seen from prior session, the budget isn't only about numbers, it's about priorities too. That's you know how we got the so-called divisive concepts through. It's how the abortion ban got through. <clears throat> so there'll all be this negotiating at the end anyway. And so maybe you can say one vote alone um, doesn't matter, but you just don't know something that passes narrowly now. It could become a bargaining chip um, down the road. And I think I do think we have to acknowledge that, this is, as you said, essentially a volunteer job. There is this tension you'll hear about, do we only want retired people able to serve? Do, don't we want a wider demographic represented in the House? Um, so it's a tension. I, I don't know what the answer is. I just know it really matters this year um, with so such a tight, tight party divide. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting ethical discussion that I feel like it's glossed over a lot or people get, it seems like the the extremists on the left and the right, the real super into activist types get all excited when, when this topic comes up. But I mean, on the side of, 
hey, maybe it's not so bad as you want people to have some experience, have been in, out in the, lived their lives, had a job. I and mean, I feel like there's a level of, yeah, obviously there's some uh, interesting characters at the New Hampshire State House. I will never say otherwise. I interact, with, I hear secondhand many stories <laughs> of some of the people I go to the State House with some, how they are. But I, I feel like it's very important. You, you know what it's like in the real world, the impact of the economy on the workforce, mm -hmm. have, what it's like having a family in the state, having a kid in the public ed education system to really have an opinion on how it's actually operating. And, um, to get a bunch of very green people fresh out of college taking this job, I mean, they're going to have a very different opinion and maybe they'll be putting in votes that maybe they wouldn't have necessarily thought that will think the same way about in 20 years later down in their life. Or you have, on the other end, people who aren't living in these families we just discussed, where in, they grew up with a mother, a father, a kid, and, you know, food on the table every night, and they don't really understand maybe what the drug epidemic has done to our family makeup in the state. So I do think the variety is really important. I also think nothing is going to change. You know, there's an effort every year to increase legislator pay. There's just a pride in making this a volunteer job. We have the biggest, you know, legislature going. It's highly representative um, is the argument. So I, my prediction is nothing will change, um, but maybe the party divide won't be so tight um, next next go around. Yeah, that's the biggest. If, if, that, if that divide wasn't so tight, I mean, ultimately, who cares? It, 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 really, the big issue is that because, I mean, if, there, if there's a certain amount of leeway, which would be extraordinarily helpful with the with the state house here, here in Concord because of the volunteer nature of it. Because people are going to get sick, people are going to have babies, people are going to unfortunately pass away and need to go to a funeral or something like that, or have to be with sick family members. Uh, like it, it takes time out of being able to to dedicate that portion of your life that you were definitely planning on, especially when because how long are the terms for each of them? Two years. Um, and yes, they're in session, you know, just part of the year, January to June. And they only meet once or twice a week to vote. But there is all this committee work that goes on, you know, several times a week. And those are hours long, day long sessions. And that's where a lot of the work gets done. And what we don't know, it's essentially impossible to attract attendance at those committee meetings. Um, just because there's so many, they're written down on paper, you'd have to gather hundreds of thousands of pages of attendance records. So we don't know what the involvement there is like. Um, and I will say in the case of Representative Cody, for example, he feels that he can still participate in shaping legislation by talking with people on the committee about what he thinks the priorities of a bill are, but he's still not there to vote that out of committee or vote on the House floor. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't vote, you're not, you're, you can't honestly get your job done. You're basically just doing the the, the first part of the job, but you're not able to actually follow through on it because the, guess what? Your, your constituents are voting on you to actually cast the votes and make a decision and craft the legislation. So, all right, last five minutes here. I want to be sure to touch on this. Uh, Department of Health and Human Services is seeking additional money for aging and disability services and uh, service link, which is some amazing things here in the state, but they're, uh, they're kind, of, kind of this weird partner agency that operates across the country is uh, need, needing some more resources. Yeah, so ServiceLink is sort of the, supposed to be the one stop you go to if you are um, an older a Granite Stater or someone who has a disability and you need some services, especially, you know, it's helpful if you want to stay at home and you don't want to go 
to an institution, we know often people are eligible for that. There is a situation makes them eligible to go to a nursing home, say, but they want to stay at home. Um, and they can with the right supports, but finding those supports and those benefits and those that assistance is really hard. You know, you, you don't want to be making 85,000 phone calls. You want to be able to call one place. And so that's what ServiceLink is supposed to do. But it's just, you know, what we're told is it's completely overwhelmed. It cannot keep up with um, the, 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 the interest and the calls that are coming in. We also have kind of a fractured system right now where, yes, there's one agency, one place to call for help, but there's not a really great system where you can go out and quickly see what's available, you know, who has openings, what can help here in this part of the state. And so there was a huge, like multi-million dollar bill that was going to reshape this whole system. Um, I think it was like $60 million or, or something. I, I'm not quite remembering it, but it was... Un, sort of like an impossible dream, but it was the starting point of this conversation. It was going to put in a much more robust, cohesive system so you actually could get somewhere when you wanted to find out information. Much of that was going to go to, you know, really bolstering service link. I mean, most of that has fallen away um, at the moment, but the service link piece is getting some money under um, this bill. And so it would help with I think just trying to get more people on the other end of the phone line when people call and they need help, you know, a, a, a better system. So when I'm calling, it doesn't depend on the person I'm getting that day to, you know, what they know or maybe don't know. So we will see, I think, a little, a little bit more money for this, this position, uh, for this service link. You know, you still have to hire, you know, that, that's the hard part. We've learned that putting money in and, Putting job postings up is just the first step in a long, long battle. So we'll, we'll see. But I, I think there is an understanding at this point that we are an aging state. There's lots of people who are growing older here. People want to stay at home. They um, want to have the resources. It's cheaper for the state if they stay at home and are able to. So this would go a long way toward you know starting to move in that direction, of making that possible. Yeah. Hey, I'm curious if... Uh, what what the stats are, especially after COVID, how how many people said I do not want to be stuck stuck in a home right. after what happened with the lockdowns. I mean, people are very much, especially those that are aging into this demographic, are like, I'm not taking that risk. They're just going to lock me away if another pandemic or something like that hits. I think that's right, and I think there's been an opportunity. Like, there's been a recognized opportunity here. There is a way to keep people at home. It's huge federal funding to do it. We sort of really deprioritize that kind of care over, you know, under nursing home care, the, the whole, from how you're eligible to how much money you need to have to where you can go. It's all sort of um, weighted toward going into an institution. But I think the pandemic, just like you said, has made people realize there may be a better way. It's also much, much less expensive. Yeah. So something to definitely follow. Definitely check out ServiceLink if you are in that population or if you know someone in that population that needs assistance. Uh, they have locations all over the state of New Hampshire. I've had to reach out to them because of my day job. So, and they're very helpful. We'll hook you up with, with resources and books, especially if you're, it's related to uh, CMS, which is the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is actually a federal agency, but it's connected to HHS in some ways. It's very confusing. Just contact ServiceLink. 
<laughs> That's my tip. Reach out to Sarah Slack. All right. Senior reporter Anne-Marie Timmons in the New Hampshire Bulletin. Thank you so much for reaching out. Oh, it was good to be here. All right. NewHampshireBulletin.com to get all their articles. And be sure to check out her article coming out today on TANF, which is definitely an important program and hopefully gets a little more funding coming soon. This has been New Hampshire Headlines and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten, NHTalkRadio.com to get more from us.